Well, here it is June already, and we are so glad to be returning to the podcast Airwaves. We now have a plan, and it is exciting. I'm Emily Danielson. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Once again, God has spoken into our lives, and we're going to be following his will, and this time all the way to Iowa. It is so awesome that Chris has been called to be the senior pastor of a fantastic Bible church, and we will take most of the summer to transition there and much more about the new church, the new town in Iowa later this summer, as well as our new podcast and new website. It's all in the works, but for now, we're going to bring you more of Chris's teachings. And I have to say the last few months of the journey have been so strong that you will really hear it in the messages. Chris really speaks into the heart of the matter regarding the remnant believer and the last days. Today's word is about how to do truth, and we're going to be going into Ephesians chapter 6. So thanks again for being with us. Here's my husband, Pastor Chris Danielson. You plant those seeds and you grow them. To what purpose? To what purpose are you growing the spiritual seeds in your life? And so many times we can get off base. We can want it to be for this, for that, for others. And before you know it, you're trying to follow Jesus for what he can do for you. You're trying to add Jesus to what you got going on. And many times you lose your way. Today, the message is called, How to Do Truth. We talk about it a lot. In fact, it is the foundation for which love, which is the greatest of these, is based on. A couple weeks ago, I talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and how Paul says that these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. If your love is not based in truth, is it really love? I've also explained the pendulum, which I have wrote, I don't know, a decade ago, about the balance of truth and love. And so today is a follow-up message to that, and it comes on the heels of the journey that my wife and I have been on for well over three years now in a very intentional way, but we have to go all the way back to December of 2015. But I remember vividly on December 31st, 2018, during our annual New Year's Eve prayer time, as we try to set the tone for our spiritual journey for the following year, looking across the landscape and seeing a falling away happen, seeing what you would consider an Americanese good people who no longer want to be good, Christians who embrace lies, Christians who used to live for Jesus now wanting to merge that with the culture, people that actually are coming public and saying they're no longer going to walk with Jesus because they don't believe it anymore. This Christian artist, this former pastor, whatever. So what happens? Well, in the falling away that the Bible predicts, a lawlessness happens across the country, across the world. And that lawlessness starts in the heart of the Christian. And when Jesus talks to us and teaches us, and the Apostle Paul talks to us and teaches us, and the Holy Scriptures talk to us and teach us about the truth, it's something that we are supposed to hold on to for certain reasons. And so that's one of the reasons why we came here. 
We came here to be about the truth and love, the balance, to be with a group of people that wanted to love Jesus to the end. And if you look across the landscape of America today, can you not say the end is near? In fact, is it not already gone, the culture that we once had, where you used to have to have some sort of moral standing to actually hold a position in the high government? And now, if you are a Christian, a born-again Christian, and you're known to be a born-again Christian, you have no right to be not only in government but in the public square. In the last two months, an actor by the name of Chris Pratt, uh, they made a run at him in Hollywood saying he should be eliminated from being able to play Star-Lord in the next Guardians of the Galaxy because of his stance for Christianity. Because the franchise makes so much money, Marvel has said, no, he gets to keep his role. But the point is, we are now in a place where we have crossed over the line as a, as a people, not just, not just Kansas, not just America, but as a people worldwide. It's happening. So I've been praying about this, and about two months ago, John Piper had a little thing on Desiring God, and he laid out some scriptures that I just went to over and over and over again for my own spiritual journey. And I'm going to share that with you today. These, the, I moved some stuff around, but it's how do you do truth? And there's a bunch of scriptures, and I listed the first one, Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, on the back of your sermon notes. And it is uh, the first of many. But on the screen, we will see it. And I put it all on there. It's going to be smaller print on the screen. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, open it to Ephesians chapter 6, 14 through 17. And I've, I've explained to you in the past that there's three ways you can do sermons. There's expository, which is verse by verse. You take each verse and you painstakingly go through it to glean all you can from it. It's a beautiful thing. And then there's textual, where you take a text like right here, 14 through 17, and you talk about the themes of that text and maybe add some other supporting. And then there's topical. Today is a topical message with a bunch of supporting scriptures. And the topic is, if there's truth, how do you do that? What does that look like? How do you actually do truth biblically? So that's our base text right there. Let me read it to you. It says, Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Truth, by its definition here, in the full armor of God, is very precious. It's very needed. And now we live in a world where you can be whatever you want to be. We live in a world where you are, in fact, a God, according to this society, little g. And as a God, you get to determine how the rest of us are supposed to look at you. 
and in your godlike ways, if you choose that your truth today is going to be something that's totally against biology or something that's totally unrealistic, we then have to capitulate to you. Use the proper pronouns, or we have blasphemed you. And soon, you'll be able to press criminal charges against us if we don't go along with your little pretend game of what you as a God have decided to do today. So it says, put the truth like a belt around your waist in verse 14. It talks about gird up, belt up. That's another translation of that. What does that mean? That means that you stand. And what are you standing against? You're standing against forces that want to try to hurt you. That's how you do truth. What do you do with it? Well, first of all, you support yourself like a belt so that you can stand. And it talks about having the readiness in the sandals of your feet. That means you're in a position. You're ready. You're, you, you are set for a battle. A lot of times people don't want to hear about the battle. They, they want to hear about the goodness of Jesus. And they want, to, they want to understand that Jesus is the one who wipes away every tear. That Jesus is the one that you can go to and he'll forgive you of all your sins. Jesus will give you peace in the midst of storms. All those things are true, and I could give you about five more things to add to that. But in the middle of all that, you have an enemy that wants to knock you down. Now, if I know you're going to come and try to knock me down, and I am standing firm with the truth, I have a lot better chance to stand, don't I? If I'm oblivious and you come and knock me down, you'll knock me off my feet. The hardest hits in football are ones where the guy's coming across the field, he doesn't see the linebacker come and take him out. Let's go on to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. This is putting the word of truth in its context, which is the gospel. In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. So the word of tr truth at its heart is the gospel. The response is to believe. Profess is not belief. We profess many things. That doesn't mean we believe them. So for the last hundred days, I've been stressing to anyone who might be even remotely considered under the flock here at LifeHouse, do you believe what you believe is really real? Because if you do, that's belief. And if you believe what you claim to believe is really real, you can't help but put God first in your life. That answers the other question. It's about Belief as the response to the gospel. Look at it on the screen. The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What is it? It's promised by the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. You know what sealed means? Sealed means sealed. You know, we can paint our deck. We can, we can pressure wash it off. But once you seal it with a good sealant, that would last a lot longer, doesn't it? That's just basic science with home construction. Think about the spiritual implications 
of actually being sealed. And guess what falls away when you're sealed? How much you value what other people think of you. Falls away. When you are sealed in the promise of the Holy Spirit and the word of truth and the gospel is your salvation and you believe what you believe is really real, you want to really serve an audience of one. Genuinely. Oh, I know, we get wobbly, we get shaky, stuff happens to us and we get caught up in the emotions of the moment and the emotions of the day because we're human and we still have a flesh nature. And guess what else? We still have an enemy that's trying to knock us off our feet every day. But when I'm walking with the Lord and I am reminded of my being sealed in the promise of the truth, I'm reminded of the story of a Swiss university that has a microscope. This microscope is so powerful it can drill down to one thousandth of an atom. Using that microscope, when I'm walking sealed in the truth, you still can't find how little I care what you think of me. That's the power of Jesus. Do you believe what you believe is really real? You don't worry what the world has to say about you. You don't worry what people say about you when you know you're standing for the truth. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-12. through 12. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's activity, Satan's working with every kind of miracle, false signs and wonders, serving the lie. And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing, they perish because they did not accept the love of the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie, so that they all will be condemned those who did not believe the truth, but delighted in unrighteousness. What is the activity of Satan? Well, it's getting you to worry about what other people think of you. It's getting you to buy into what other people are saying. It's getting you to exaggerate the, the truth in certain circumstances. It's getting you to take things out of context. It's getting you to bend the rules. The one thing that Christians do the most that I have noticed is, um, you know, maybe fudge their taxes a little bit here. Maybe, you know, look the other way. If you found at the cash register, if you go, if you go to, and, and I'm not talking Tina's line now because everybody would make sure they took care of Tina because she's one of us, but if you went to the checkout stand somewhere and you were due uh, $1 and change and they they accidentally gave you a $10 bill instead of a $1 bill, and you noticed it before you left the line. Is it your lucky day? Or do you hand it back because you're not willing to sell your integrity for $9? That's what I'm getting at here. That's what I'm getting at here. And the activity of Satan tells you it's yours. The activity of Satan gives you the right to be right in your righty-rightness. When Jesus is calling us to a deeper repentance, a deeper, deeper forgiveness. So what are we responding to when the activity of Satan is happening? Power, false signs, wonders, deception. 
that comes in all kinds of forms, and nobody, nobody is immune to it, including your pastor, including any of the, the great theologians around the country, Billy Graham, pick, pick, pick a name. Nobody's immune to it. What do they need? First, they need the belt of truth. They need to stand firm. It says they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Do you really love the truth? Seriously. It's okay. I mean, I'm not your judge and jury. I'm just asking. Because the implications of the gospel, all truth is to turn away from all deception and let Jesus speak to your heart. Believe the truth, love the truth. People of God love the truth and believe the truth. This is what separates us from others. Let's go on to Ephesians 4, 20 through 21. It says, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Oh, no, no, that's not you. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. You're taught. You're, you're to be in Jesus. So if you put on the belt of truth, it is to take the opportunities to grow in the truth, grow in the knowledge in Jesus who is truth. John uh, John uh, 14, 4, I think it is, or 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. As you grow, as you put on Jesus, as you have that knowledge, it says right there, you were taught by him, and the truth is in Jesus. I've, I've ad nauseum talked to you about this, about new wine and old wineskins, about being trying to push for elite. When you get touched by Jesus, you want to grow in him. And the more you grow in him, the more you realize you don't have what it takes. And you never will. So you go back to him daily, it says, in keeping with repentance. Daily we pick up our cross and follow him. Well, what is your cross to bear? You can come up with different things. I'm telling you, your cross to bear is that you are still in the flesh and you have an enemy that wants to hurt you every day. So you stand in the truth. Let's also look at Ephesians 4, 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Do you see how that goes with 20 and 21? This verse comes before that. I put it after so you can get the impact. As you grow and absorb and see and feel the truth, now we are speaking it. And how are we speaking it? We're not delusional. We don't want to lie. We don't want to be an exaggerator. We don't want to impart, you know, the system, the demonic system of the world that says, hath God really said? Everything in this world comes back to the garden where the serpent asked Eve, did God really say? Did God really say? Is the Bible really true? Do you really believe what you believe? That's why I'm asking that question. Did God really say? Yeah, he did. So we've got to try not to let the deceiver work us 
into letting garbage come out of our mouth. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. Ephesians 4.25, a couple verses later, says, Therefore put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are all members of one another. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to the assembly of the church. We are members of one another. Put away falsehood. Speak the truth to your neighbor. This means that the ordinary give and take amongst one another is Christians telling the truth. Like a basic thing. People of their word. And if for some reason you can't be a person of your word, you take it very hard as you are grounded in the truth, as you are standing firm in the truth. No one with the conscience that's been put there by the Lord Jesus Christ, who believes what they believe is really real, denies their word flippantly. Something else is wrong if you see people that just deny their word flippantly. I give you my word that you don't have a ride to Salina today. I will pick you up at noon. I give you my word. I'll show up. The next day, you still need a ride. And you call me. And I say, yep, yep, oh, I'll be there 10 minutes early. 11.50 this time, I promise. I give you my word. I don't call I don't text, and I don't show up. What are you going to think on the third day? Just asking. I mean, just common biblical sense here. People of their word are Christians who believe they are standing with the truth of God. If you can't be a person of your word, I encourage you politely from the bottom of my heart, try not to claim Christ. Ask yourself, are you really in the faith? For the kingdom's sake. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 continues. It says, take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self the one created according to God's likeness and righteous and purity of the truth. You cannot separate truth from practical holiness and from the practical love of purity. If you fall or stumble or are tempted and you feel horrible about it, praise God. That means God's still working in your life. For guys out there, if you are looking at porn and it doesn't bother you anymore, you need to repent and go back to God. Because the truth can't be separated from practical holiness and practical love of purity. In this scripture that's on the screen, I want you to look at some words. I want you to see the truth at the end. And I want you to picture arrows going to every one of the words that I have highlighted there. You're renewed, the spirit, your mind, your new self, purity. These are things the Spirit helps you work towards. And it's not like you got to conjure it up. No, you just naturally go for it. Every day you get up and it's like, Lord, 
Satan's going to attack me, but you're making me stronger every day. I know I'm justified in you. I'm going to work in my sanctification, and I'm picking up this cross that is my flesh nature and is my nature to not be who you called me to be, and we're walking together today. That's renewed. That's a new self. That's the spirit of your mind being focused on purity. I hope this makes sense to you. Now, the paragraph just prior to our text from this morning is Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. And this is about putting on the full armor of God. So look at what it says here. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day, having prepared everything, take your stand. The darkness in verse 12, its strategies and schemes. When people over the last, let's just say decade plus in your life and in mine, that we know have not acted in a godly way, I had an individual tell me when they basically, for lack of a better term, stole $8,000 from me that God told them to do it. You think the problems in Abilene are bad? We came here to solve some of those. It's everywhere. In the last 48 hours, we've had calls from Michigan. Either we made them or they made them to us because we're just talking to people doing stuff. Michigan, Minnesota, um, Alabama, and Arizona. And it's the same everywhere. People are fighting. They want their pastor fired. They, they, they want to leave the church. They want their pound of flesh. And in that world, there are people scattered throughout the states that I just mentioned that I know, and I guarantee you it's in all 50. There are people that I call remnant believers. You might call them covenant partners that are willing to stand firm, love those, and pray them through and offer forgiveness as appropriate. And I say as appropriate because it's almost always appropriate, but sometimes it's not possible because the division is so deep. But you can still have forgiveness in your heart. Why? Because it's not the people that hurt you. It's right there. It's the strategy and schemes of the devil. It's the cosmic powers of this darkness. Verse 12, not against flesh and blood. It's the spiritual forces in the heavens. That's the working activity of Satan. And what do they bring? They bring false signs and deception. When do you know you're deceived? When you're not deceived anymore. Until then, you're working in a world of deception. And no amount of common sense, no amount of reason, no amount of arguing can break through when the spiritual forces of darkness have blinded somebody who's in deception. The breakthrough happens from the Holy Spirit. And I just read you the scriptures. And what's one of the big things that break through? When you're sealed by the Holy Spirit with truth. The truth that Jesus is your Savior. 
Otherwise, we're dealing with people that are under false signs and deceptions. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. I mean, I don't know if I want to waste your time with this, but I know of a guy. He was a competing morning show host with me in the, in the market, in the Michigan market. You can look it up. He's on the street every week. How can I pray for you? Oh, here, we got a single mother over here. we got a gift card for you, courtesy of the radio station. May the Jesus be praised. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? He did that job up until the day he got arrested for molesting children. He's been sitting in jail ever since. He got arrested a year after I left the air in that market. But on the national news, it said, Grand Rapids Morning Show host arrested on child sex charges. My phone blew up. I'm like, it ain't me. Do you think there was a time, this, this guy's name was John, do you think there was a time that John lost sight of the truth? That John allowed the uh, spiritual forces to take him off his game? That he started using Jesus as his buddy instead of his Lord and Savior? Let me tell you something. There is nothing with sexual deviancy and the Lord Jesus Christ that merges together. I'm not saying that the people that have been sexually deviant are eternally damned because there is forgiveness and redemption in Jesus. But when you get that, you hold on to it. You stand with that belt of truth because it means everything to you because you know you've been cleansed. John 8.44 says it this way. You are your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Now you can take everything I said and we can start twisting this into, well, can you lose your salvation? No, it's once saved, always saved. I've explained to you what justification in Christ is and I've explained to you what sanctification is and I'll also for another time explain to you, I don't know, but I do know this whether they were never saved and claimed Christ or whether they are sinful Christians who are falling down hard, when you watch Christians fall, even ones that you thought might have been the ones to look up to, and whether they're falling for this, 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 fill in the blank, whether it's lies, sexual deviancy, or whatever the case might be, it becomes obvious that they are deceived and they are falling. That's how we can offer forgiveness. Because not standing in the truth is because Satan doesn't stand in the truth. Why? Because there's no, no truth in him. He's the lather, father of lies. He's the liar and father of lies. Could it be any clearer that the first piece of armor that you as a born-again Christian who have given your life to Jesus Christ needs to put on is the belt of truth? The truth? The arch enemy of your soul has one main means of power over you, and it's called deception. And whatever happens in your life, dear Christian, you start with those closest to you, and you figure out how wide you can make that circle. And I'll be honest, in this day and age, you can't make that circle very wide. 
which is where the covenant partnership was supposed to come in. And you hold on to the truth to avoid deception in your life. Why would truth be the first thing that the enemy focuses on? Which, by the way, he doesn't take a day off. When we're here in the furnace room, we're praying for the, 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 the service because we know the enemy doesn't take even Sunday mornings off. But we can come into this service and we can just go all in with Jesus for an hour. The singing, the preaching, the, the fellowship. With the belt of truth so that we're not deceived. Many times pastors will try to use deception. Build a new building, meet a budget, their own ego blow. And it's not even straight up deception, it's more like slight manipulation. But it happens. I mean, I'll never roll that way. I just, I don't care enough about trying to be something for the kingdom. I want Jesus to be my all, and I want a clear head, and I want to stand in the truth. But why would the truth be the very first thing our enemy focuses on? Well, the answer is in Revelation 12, 9. So the great dragon was thrown out, the Antichrist, the serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels with him. Do you see it? He deceives the whole world. And so we're supposed to fight in that deception. We're supposed to fight in that every day. With joy. I need your forgiveness. Because I've stood here and said, do not let your circumstances affect your joy. The last hundred days, they have. They've affected our joy so much, my wife can't even come to this church right now. You have no idea how the enemy can attack. And when he uses people who claim Christ, I don't know if they're saved or not. It's not my, not my call, but I could be a fruit inspector. So let's look. Last observation, I want you to look at it again. I want you to see Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 one more time. I want you to see how the truth overlaps with the gospel. The truth overlaps with the readiness, with the word of God. And the sword is the active battle going forward. Stand for, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which with you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do you see it? The sword is the word of God. It's an active weapon going into battle. If you are a believer, you love the truth. Be taught in the truth. Believe in the truth. Be a person marked by the truth. So let's close with two scriptures. Proverbs 6 and Hosea 10 and our actual covenant partnership. Proverbs 6 says there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, 
hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make a run haste to evil, and a false witness who breathes out lies, and the one who soars discord among the brothers. One who sows discord among the brothers. Verse 10, or verse 4 of Hosea chapter 10. It says, They utter mere words with empty oaths, they make covenants. So judgment springs up like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. If you make covenant and you do it emptily, with, with emptiness, there's a poison that comes. And if you sow seeds of discord among the brethren, that's something that God hates. Now, I tell you all of this because in my heart, there's a great love for the people of Lifehouse, even many who have left. And I have no ill will towards any of them. Kind of disgusted the way some of them have acted, but not all. But who cares? Who cares what I think? It's really about what God thinks. And when you put it through that lens, your heart breaks. And not just Abilene, Kansas. I'm talking about covenant people from all over the country. You know, I, know, I have a pastor friend of mine who had 40 years in ministry and he just wanted to retire and he gave him a year's notice and two people in his board started making a stink that they wanted to move on faster than that, so they ran him out eight months, eight months early. Now, he could have fought him, but his advice to me has always been unity at all costs if you can help it. I don't know, I tried. The resolution of our covenant partnership this is what's printed on the certificates, and this is what I hand out to everybody as we pray about it and talk about becoming a covenant partner. I just want to read it to you. And keep in mind, I took an oath in this room with many of you in front of God with these words. This resolution serves as my commitment as a professing Christian to the body of Christ. I affirm my desire to know God more intimately, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to love and serve the body. I pledge to adhere with the sound doctrine found in scriptures and outlined by the BIC denomination. As a member of the family of God, grafted in, sealed for eternity by the blood of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, I declare this covenant with Lifehouse Church in Abilene, Kansas, for as long as I am able, and God allows, to remain in fellowship with my brothers and sisters, serve the Lord, fulfill the Great Commission through Christ's church. When anyone has made this commitment, they did not, hear me, they did not make that covenant with me. I have nothing to do with it. Pastors come, pastors go. They made it with you. They made it with you that this was the place they were going to make their final stand as the darkness came over this country. 
I have forgiveness in my heart for all of them. I've been, I've been, been saying reconciliation and forgiveness, reconciliation and forgiveness. And recently, I guess that's, that's not enough. Somebody, won't, you can talk a good game, but we want to see it. Well, okay, here's how my actions line up with what I'm trying to say. I don't believe you. What am I supposed to do? If you co-signed a note for someone who benefited from that loan, and then that person blew off their obligation so that now you have to pay the bill, would you at least call them? Or would you just joke around with them on Facebook over the next couple weeks? The end of the Lorax, it says, unless someone like you, and this is about timber and forestry and stuff like that, but if you put it in a spiritual context, just for an analogy, it says, unless someone like you cares a whole lot, awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. It's not about Lifehouse Church. It's not about Pastor Chris. It's not about the way that we are viewed in the community. It's not about whether this church survives and has 500 people next week or whether it closes its doors in two months. It's about you and your walk with Jesus and do you have the belt of truth and will you stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would continue to work on my heart through all of this. And that you would continue to let me see clearly. Don't let the frustration blind me. Don't let it be used by the enemy to cause deception. And I ask that for every single person watching online and that is sitting here today. That there would be a point of clarity for kingdom purposes, not for ministry outreach. And that your kingdom would be strengthened by the resolve of the remnant that still remains with you, both in this town and in towns across the country. Lord, your word tells us that the enemy will overcome the saints. Lord, let us not be part of that. Let us use the belt of truth and the full armor of God to stand firm, to take our stand, and to be just loving people grounded in the truth with no patience for the deception that's about abounding around us. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name.